Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hi, and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. Today is Thursday, August the 24th, 2023. Dr. Tim is off for the rest of the week, and so today I'm going to play his pre-recording of The Way of Mastery, Lesson 3. Enjoy. This is a recording of the book, The Way of Mastery. The book is available through the Shanti Cristo Foundation at www.shanticristo.com. Please visit that website to purchase the book and read more about this information. Lesson 3. The Power of Forgiveness. If I search the languages of your world, I cannot find the words that can convey the love that I feel for you. I cannot find the words that can convey unto you the love that God has for all of us. I cannot find a concept, a word, an idea, a philosophy, or a dogma that can contain the mystery that is closer to you than your own breath and awaits your discovery. If I search throughout all of creation, If I search through the many mansions that exist within the domains of my Father's creation, and that creation is infinite, try as I might, I cannot discover anything that can truly describe you. I cannot find anything that is of greater value than you. In truth, I cannot discover anything that speaks more eloquently of the love that God is than your very existence. Therefore, in truth, I look upon you constantly and marvel at the radiance of my Father's love. It is through you that I come to discover all that God is. When I walked upon your earth as a man, I began to realize that the greatest gift that I could ever receive would only come to me as I chose to surrender every perception that I might conjure up about you my brother or sister, that would veil the truth that is true about you always. When I was nine years of age, I began to awaken to exactly what I am describing to you. As my father would take me to sit with the elders, and as he would read from the Torah to me, I began to be compelled by something within. 
something began to speak to me that underneath all of the perceptions that I could create of another, there was something radiant and shimmering waiting to be discovered. I began to feel very different from my peers. I began to be preoccupied with inner things. When I listened to the elders speak, I would often feel as though I had drifted far away from where they were. Pictures would come to me, thoughts would come to me, and feelings would come to me that I did not understand, that I had not assimilated into my being. But something began to compel me. How might I discover how to see only that shimmering radiance? Would it be possible for me to see my brothers and sisters as my father sees his children? I discovered that the way to see with the eyes of Christ begins with the acceptance that I, as a creator, created in the image of God, literally chose every experience and call it to me, that I create the veils through which I view creation. I began to shift my perspective slightly, and I began to be seen as someone who was rebelling against the teachings of my Essene elders. For I began to move away from striving for God, striving for perfection, and began to cultivate within myself the process of allowing. I discovered that if I looked upon my perceptions, my feelings, my behavior, exactly as they were without overshadowing them with my own interpretations, if I could teach myself to embrace things with innocence, veils began to be dissolved from my mind. For when I was nine years old, I had already learned to be fearful of thinking, speaking, or acting in a way that was not in conformity to the prevailing wisdom of that time. Even within the Essene community, which had become rather rigidified, there was already much dogma and dogma always leads to bickering. I began to discover that if I looked with innocence upon all things, a light began to shine through the things I was looking at. And as I rested more and more in this innocence, more and more of the light would shine. As I grew in age, I discovered that the old teachers who spoke of the need to forgive seventy times seven knew something quite profound that had even become lost within the Jewish and Essene traditions of my day. For to forgive means to choose to release another from the perceptions you have been projecting upon them. It is, therefore, an act of forgiving one's self of one's projections. As you begin to forgive, even seventy times seven times, each time you forgive, you take yourself deeper into the purity of your own consciousness. You begin to see how profoundly you have been coloring and therefore affecting all of your relationships through the simple act of not being aware of the power of projection. Therefore I learned, and learned well, that forgiveness is an essential key to healing. The opposite of forgiveness is judgment and judgment always creates separation and guilt. 
judgment will evoke a sense of guilt in the one that has been judged unless they are perfectly awake. But more than this, each time that you judge anything or anyone, you have literally elicited guilt within yourself. Because there is a place within you, yet still, that knows the perfect purity of your brother and sister, and sees quite clearly that all things within the human realm are either the extension of love or a cry for help and healing. When you judge, you have moved out of alignment with what is true. You have decreed that the innocent are not innocent. And if you would judge another as being without innocence, you have already declared that this is true about you. Therefore, to practice forgiveness actually cultivates the quality of consciousness in which you finally come to forgive yourself. And it is indeed the forgiven who remember their God. We wish to share with you the power of forgiveness, how to cultivate it, how to refine it, how to understand the depths of it that can be revealed to you as you forgive seventy times seven times, and how to bring up within you that which has not yet been forgiven, but perhaps forgotten. In this lesson, we will also speak of what perception is and what projection is. Beloved friends, these things are of critical importance. For anyone who enters into a so-called spiritual path must eventually face and deal with their deep need for forgiveness, which is an expression of the soul's deep desire to be forgiven. For there is no one who walks this earth who has not been touched by the poison of judgment. As we speak of these things, let not seriousness enter the mind. For in truth, all we are really doing is describing what you need to do and can do to release the burden of illusion that seems to cause you to feel a heaviness upon your countenance and a sense of a lack of safety in the world. You could think of it as taking your rheostat and turning it up a bit by enlightening you, taking your burden of guilt and judgment from you. Therefore, in truth, understand well, forgiveness is essential. What has not been forgiven in others has not been forgiven in you. But not by a God who sits outside of you, for he never judges. What you have not forgiven in another, or in the world, is but a reflection of what you carry within as a burden that you cannot forgive of yourself. You have an interesting saying in your world, it takes one to know one. Do you think you would even be able to judge another if there was not something within you being elicited that triggers within you the belief that you know exactly what the other one is up to. That is why you judge them. Sometimes you judge harshly because you fear that energy in yourself. Or you remember how hurtful you have been when you acted from that energy. But when you have forgiven yourself, rest assured, you will know what it means to walk in this world yet not be of this world you will be able to feel the energy or the activities that any other soul may freely choose. You will discern that energy 
you will understand that energy and you will see through it and still see the face of Christ before you. You will not react, which literally means to act again as you did in the past. Instead, even if you are being persecuted or to speak from personal experience to be nailed upon a cross, you will have cultivated the ability to love. And in all situations, no matter what another is doing, your first response will be to enter into the quiet stillness within and merely ask the Holy Spirit, What would you have me say? What is the most appropriate for this other soul in this moment? For when forgiveness has purified the mind and the heart and the emotional field of your own being, you will discover that you exist only to extend love. You are the Savior of the world. In each situation, your role is to ask the Holy Spirit how you can serve the atonement, the correction, the healing that yet needs to be acquired within another soul. So even if one hates you, you will not respond with defensiveness, but with curiosity, with innocent witnessing. Even if your hands have nails going through them, I tell you truthfully, it is still possible to enter the quiet sanctuary of the heart and to ask of the Holy Spirit, what would you have me say or do that can serve the healing of my brother or sister's heart? All that I will be sharing with you, not just in this lesson, but in this course, has as its final goal your complete Christed consciousness and the fulfillment of what your own soul desires, forgiveness. Forgiveness, the bridge to the soul of your brother and sister. There is nothing you can be aware of in the energy of another that you have not known in yourself. There is nothing another can do or say or even imagine themselves capable of saying or doing that you have not also known. Again, it takes one to know one. When you perceive another acting out of hostility or fear, the only way you can recognize it is because you have been there. The very fact that in your world one can murder another's body, and you can react with knowledge that that is inappropriate behavior, is because, as a soul, you know the energies involved in the attempt to murder another. If you are honest with yourself, you can probably come up with at least 50 times in the last year that murderous thoughts have entered your mind. You may not act on them, you may not even dwell on them for more than a split second, but the energy has come into the field of your awareness, and you have known it and recognized it. Who then is less than you? Who then is worthy of your judgment? No one. Who then is equal to you? Everyone. And who then is worthy of your love? Everyone. Forgiveness is the bridge that links you to the soul, the essence of your brother or sister. Forgiveness is that bridge that, when cultivated, 
will allow you to see clearly not just the energies that another is expressing, but you will literally be able to see what events seemed to cultivate that soul's belief that they must act in a way to survive, and what perceptions have led them to feel justified in their inappropriate behaviors. You will see it as clearly as though someone had drawn a picture in front of you. Then, you will see skillfully what to say and what to do to gently help another correct their misperceptions of themselves and learn the path of self-forgiveness. And when that hour comes, rest assured, you will walk in this world, yet you will not be in it. You will become as I became. You will be the Savior of the world. The Veil of Projection What is projection? Projection occurs when there has first been denial within yourself. Projection is an act in which you psychically try to throw out of your ownership everything that you have judged as being despicable or unworthy of you. Something you do not want. So you will project it. You will throw it up and out and let it land on whomever happens to be nearby. Projection is the effect of denial of the first axiom that I have given you. It is the denial of the truth that nothing you experience has been caused by anything outside of you. Projection is the attempt to insist that reality is other than the way God made it. That you are not powerful. That you are a victim of circumstances. That you are in a world that can actually do things to you and cause you to make decisions that you would not have made otherwise. That is denial, and it is a lie. Again, projection is the denial of the first axiom of truth, and you have mastered it well. When you project onto another, you will then believe that your anger or your hatred is justified. In fact, the legal system means merely to take the act of projection and the need to judge and to make it okay socially so that you need not be concerned with this other as your brother or as your sister who has been crying out for help. Rather, you become justified in punishment. Yet punishment is only the insane attempt to convince the punisher that the darkness, the evil, whatever you call it, is not in them. It is out there. Imagine then a society in which the prevalent legal view is simply that your brother or your sister is an aspect of yourself. And if you would help yourself, you must help them, meeting each cry for help and healing with forgiveness, love, and support. Can you imagine for a moment what it would be like to live in such a society? How would it be different than the world you see? If you would have these things be different, it must begin with you. For the way to heal the world is not by seeking to change what is on the outside, but by first changing what is on the inside. 
When that change has occurred, you will become a conduit for an energy that knows how to use your gifts and how to place you in just the right situations. And a great power will work effectively through you, the power alone that knows how to heal your world. There are many that would love to march for peace by angrily attacking those who make war. But if you would create peace in the world, you must be at peace within yourself. Projection is an act of trying to get rid of what you do not want to own within. It is the effect of denial of truth. Projection colors your brother or sister with the very energies that you would judge within yourself. How can you begin to break the pattern of projection? How can you allow the bridge of forgiveness to be built? It is actually quite simple, but it will require your commitment. Awakening requires vigilance and discipline. I have said to you many times that the world you see is nothing more than the effect of the thoughts you have held within the mind. Therefore, awakening requires the act of vigilance and discipline. The discipline to cultivate a way of living in which you observe your own thoughts, in which you would listen to the words that are coming out of your own mouth, in which you observe the feelings that are evoked within your body, the reactivity that seems to own you, and to see these things as innocent and simply self-caused. When next something is reflected to you by the world that causes you to become angry or causes you to be in judgment, stop right where you are and look, not with judgment of your judgment, but with innocence and honesty. Oh, I see that I'm judging someone. That is an interesting cloud passing through the sky of my awareness. I wonder if I might be able to make another choice. Now the mind will tell you, but this person just broke into my house and stole my stereo. Of course I have a right to be in judgment. I have a right to feel angry. But I say unto you, anger is never justified. It does not mean you will not experience it. But stop fooling yourself into believing that there is some validity to it. When someone has just broken into your home and taken your stereo equipment, or some other idol that you love, what if you understood that you had the power in that moment to remember that all events are neutral? They merely provide you with a chance to choose love. What if you literally chose the insane way, according to the world, of looking upon that one who has just done that act as a brother or a sister who is crying out for help and healing? What if you chose to look upon them as one who does not know how to live in this world without being of the world, who does not know the way to self-forgiveness, who does not know the truth of the light that lives within them, and who does not recognize their great power to create whatever they want in a way that is not hurtful to anyone. What if you chose to look upon them with compassion 
rather than reactivity. It begins in simple ways. To set the stage, I want you to remember that time has been given to you that you might use it constructively. That means when you awaken in the morning, realize that you are in school. You do not have to drive anywhere. You're already there. The universe is literally helping to assist you in having experiences that will bring things up for you so that you can choose to look at them differently, thereby discovering the great power within you, the freedom within you to choose what you want to perceive and to elicit only what you want to feel. So that even if nails are being driven through the hands, you finally are liberated in the power to choose love and therefore to overcome this world. Having said this, understand that each of your days is a blessing and a gift if you use it from the full commitment to awakening. Your day is chock full of a million opportunities to discover a deeper truth. Therefore, never feel the purpose of your life must be something other than what you are involved in. For remember what we spoke of earlier. You are literally creating everything you choose and nothing is forced upon you. Now we are going to take that thought just a little deeper for a moment. It literally means that if you have decided you want to awaken, you have already called to yourself every experience that can truly best serve your awakening. The friends, family, and people you have relationships with are those who likewise can best gain from the experiences elicited through relationship with you. It means that right here and right now, you are already demonstrating the power that you are seeking, the power to truly choose to awaken and to command the whole of creation to serve you in that awakening. Therefore, when you awaken, in each of your mornings, look around. Who is that person sleeping next to you? They are your perfect companion. They are a messenger of God. For just behind your experiences, there is something deeper taking place. Because your mind is resting right next to the mind of God when you first said as a soul, I want to awaken. I want to go home. The Father answered your prayer and began to send the thought through your spirit and through your soul to your conscious mind. I know how to direct you home. Give up this career and start that one. Move from this location to that location. You began to feel all manner of impulses. You began to read different books. You began to do different things. You met someone and fell in love. All by accident? Hardly. The very thought that you would claim as your own, from which you have created the world of your own personal experience, is also literally the result of your prayer to awaken. And the Father is creating, assisting you to create, just those experiences as stepping stones that carry you from where you are 
to where God is. The result is that your ordinary daily life is the most perfect ashram you could ever be within. It is the holy city to which it is wise to make pilgrimage every day, which means to bring awareness and commitment to exactly what you are experiencing, to be thankful for it, to bless it, to embrace it, to be vigilant and to be mindful. What is this moment teaching me? Having given that as background and foundation, remember that you do not experience anything that is called an ordinary moment. In each and every moment, extraordinary things are occurring. Extraordinary things are occurring in which the whole of the universe is conspiring, which means to breathe together. The universe is conspiring with you to awaken you and to heal you. Trust it. Love it. That these things are true, and I assure you that they are, means that your life, the very life you are living, is equal in power and majesty and effectiveness to any life that has ever been lived. It means that your very life is equal to the one I lived, for it is bringing you home as my life was my pathway home to God. To build on what I shared earlier, the third axiom or principle could be encapsulated this way. I do not live any ordinary moments. With each breath, my experiences are the stepping stones laid before me of God to guide me home. I will bring awareness to each moment and allow it to teach me how to forgive, how to embrace, how to love, and therefore how to live fully. In your ordinary moments a thousand times each day, you will be confronted by opportunities to be disturbed. And in that very moment, you are being given the blessing of the opportunity to choose peace. To remember to cultivate a perception of your brother or sister that is a perception birthed out of the Christ mind, not the egoic mind. Forgiveness, then, can be practiced diligently, and you will not need to look too far. You will not need to make a pilgrimage to some far city. You will not need to go sit in a cave in the mountains somewhere to discover the way to God. It is all around you, because you can only be where you have decreed to be. You have decreed to be there because you, as a soul, truly want nothing more than to awaken. Your life, just as it is unfolding moment to moment, is meant for you. If this is true, and I assure you that it is, the way to God can only be found in your willingness to embrace and live fully the very life that is within you and that unfolds through you with each moment. To live without fear, to go forward, to indeed trust and embrace the very power and majesty that is the seed, the soil, 
and the ground from which your life's experience is unfolding. It is precious, it is extraordinary, it is blessed, and it is given to you of God. Would you not embrace the blessing of your life and sanctify it to keep it holy and recognize that your life is worth respect? It does not matter what anybody else thinks. It matters what you think. Beloved friends, your life, your life is your way home. If you do not live it fully, how can you ever arrive home? Therefore, fear not your greatness. Fear not the power that comes from embracing your life and claiming its value. Live it full out with every bit of passion you can muster. Embrace every second of it. Every time you wash your dish and your cup after breakfast, look upon these things and say, My God, this is my life. This is my pathway home, and I'm going to live it. Precious friends, in this way you will come to forgive yourself of the judgments you have made. For who among you has not known the feeling of saying, God, my life is just not worth very much. I will never be like so-and-so down the street. I'll never have enough money. Not enough people are going to know me. When will my work ever get out as big as that person's work? And so on and so on. But I say unto you, every time you have judged yourself, you have weakened yourself. Every time you have judged yourself or another, you have slipped down the mountain another notch when your desire is to be at the summit. How Forgiveness Heals Understanding these things, let us look more closely at forgiveness. How does it work? What really occurs when you forgive? You are a conduit of energy. To the degree that the conduit is in perfect working order, the energy can flow so radiantly that the conduit actually becomes transparent. That is, it no longer blocks. There is no barrier or limit to the light. When you judge, it is as though you contracted and made the walls of the conduit smaller, just like building up rust in your pipes, and the flow becomes less and less. As you forgive judgments, it is as though the rust in the pipes is dissolving. It is as though the walls of the pipe that are carrying the liquid of God's love begin to expand and become thinner and thinner and more transparent. Judgment is contraction. Forgiveness is relaxation, peace, trust, and faith. Forgiveness allows the spaciousness within your consciousness to grow. For when you look upon the thief that has broken into your home and say, I forgive you, you are decreeing the opposite of what you have learned. You are decreeing that nothing can be taken from you of any value. You are decreeing that judgment is the opposite of what you want. 
and it will cause you to feel the opposite of how you want to feel. You are decreeing your power to perceive differently. You are therefore healing yourself. If you ever want to come home, you are going to have to become very, very divinely selfish. You are going to have to become so selfish that you will not tolerate judgment in yourself of anyone or anything because you will begin to recognize that every such act catapults you to the other side of the universe from where you want to be. Judgment causes the very cellular structure to break down. If you could see this, you would never judge again. When you judge, even the cells of your body go crazy. They vibrate in a completely dissonant way. There is contraction. The fluids do not move through the cells. The nutrients do not become transported or delivered to the cells. The waste matter is not properly disposed and processed. Everything gets clogged up, and there is dis-ease. Therefore, beloved friends, understand well that judgment is not something to take lightly. Should you then judge yourself if you have noticed that you have been in judgment? No. That is a judgment in itself. Only love can heal. Therefore, when you know you have judged, simply say, Ah, yes, that is that energy. I recognize that cloud that has just passed through the field of my awareness. But I can choose again. So how does this work? If in your ordinary life, that we now know is not ordinary at all, you detect that you have been in judgment of someone or something, recognize that that judgment is still with you. It is a present thing, even though you may have enacted it five minutes ago, or 55 years ago, or 10 lifetimes ago. When you notice it, or bring awareness to it, you have made it a very present thing. So it is right there in front of you to be undone. And that is what you need to focus on. I am going to choose again. You know the experience of looking back in your life and suddenly seeing a scene in which now you know you have behaved selfishly from ego and that you were manipulative or cunning or hurtful. Or you recognize, my God, I was really in judgment of that person. Oh, if only I could go back and undo it. You know that feeling. I say unto you, you can, because everything is present. There is no such thing as past and future. There is only now. So when you have that thought or that memory, it is coming to you for a very specific reason. As a soul, you are learning about forgiveness and how to undo the effects of your previous choices. And it is being presented to you yet again that you might make a new choice. When that old memory comes, stay with it. Look at it. 
recognize how judgment worked at that time and then say to that person or that event I judge you not I extend forgiveness to myself for what I have created I embrace you and I love you I free you to be yourself I bless you with the blessing of Christ then see that image or that memory begin to gently dissolve into light until there is no trace of it left and be done with it right away the mind says but when I kicked that little boy in the shins when I was four years old just to watch him scream well he is not here isn't he the body is not here but the body is not quite the soul all minds are joined it means that where you extend forgiveness within the consciousness, within your emotional field to another, whether they be physically present or not, you are extending to them exactly what you could extend to them if they were physically in front of you. Even if they were, they would still have to receive it, do they not? They still have their choice to make whether to accept your forgiveness or to remain in judgment of you. And that is their issue, not yours. Understand then that you are dealing with consciousness. You are not a physical being. You are spirit. And you are intimately linked with all minds at all times. Therefore, forgiveness of another can occur any time you decide it can occur. Anyone you have ever believed has wronged you can be forgiven by you in this very moment anytime you have judged another and therefore been in judgment of yourself you can undo that in the very present moment simply by making a different choice reactivity indicates the need for self-forgiveness rest assured you will continue to project upon others what remains unhealed and unforgiven within yourself. Each time you react to another, you are being given a sign that there is some kind of energy that has been presented to your awareness that you have not forgiven within yourself. If someone is critical and you react every time they are critical, rest assured you have not healed that part of your own being, that part of your own experience of being critical of others. Whether it is occurring now, or whether it seems to be a pattern that you have interrupted and no longer do, you have still not forgiven yourself for being identified with that energy. Use your ordinary experience in each day to observe what pushes your buttons. We will give you a very simple technique for doing so. If you stay with it, it will reveal to you the energies that are in need of your forgiveness. The technique is quite simple. As you go through your day, observe when you feel as though you are in contraction. Are the muscles of the body tight? Is the breath very shallow? Does your voice become faster or louder when you speak about some energy in someone else? That is a sign that you need to do healing within yourself. When you recognize that these kinds of signs are going on, 
In other words, life has presented you with an opportunity to be disturbed. That is a sign that there is something that requires healing. Therefore, count it a blessing if you feel disturbed. Healing Exercise Turn your awareness from what you think is causing the disturbance and remember the first axiom. I am the source of my experience. I am feeling disturbed. What is it in me that needs to be healed? Begin to breathe deeply and rhythmically. Let the body soften and relax and ask, what is it within this person's energy that is really causing my reaction? You will see it right away. Oh, they are so critical. Criticism pushes my buttons. And then ask yourself, when have I done that to another? Where have I been critical of others? And it might hit you right away. Well, I'm being critical because they're being critical. Or memories will come back. Distasteful memories, if you're judging them, let them come back. Continue to breathe and relax. Look upon that energy of being critical. Honor it. Love it. For it is a creation. It is your creations coming back to you that you might embrace them and transform them. Just stay with it. Look at it. Ah, being critical. Yes, I sure can be critical. I've been that way in the past. I know that energy very well. Look upon a scene in your memory in which you have been the one being critical. Look upon it with deep honesty and sincerity and say to yourself, I forgive me for being critical. I forgive my judgment of myself. I choose to teach only love. Watch that image dissolve and disappear from your mind. Bring your awareness back to the present moment and that person that just pushed your button. Again, you do not need to say anything to them at all, although you might. But within yourself, forgive them for allowing the energy of being critical to temporarily make a home in their mind, and merely ask the Holy Spirit to replace your perception with the truth. Ask to see the innocent light within them. As you cultivate this, you will become very, very good at it. You will be able to do it as fast as the time it takes to snap your fingers. And once you begin to see the light in them, you can ask the Holy Spirit, what is this critical energy in them masking? What are they really crying out for? Then you will feel compassion, for it will be revealed to you why they are hurting inside. And lo and behold, Instead of being reactionary toward them, you just might be compassionate. Your choice of words and your own behavior might turn out to be different than you could ever have imagined. For through you, 
will flow exactly what serves them. When I was being nailed to the cross, there was one who raised the mallet to strike the nail. And as he raised the mallet, his eyes met mine for just a moment. I did exactly what I have described to you. By this time I had mastered this, so it was done very quickly. I asked myself, how have I ever wanted to drive a nail through someone else? And I remembered my murderous thoughts. I forgave myself and brought my attention back to that one and asked only to see the light in him. And I asked, what is it that this action is mirroring to me? What is it masking within him? And I saw that one's soul, and I loved that one's soul, and I felt compassion for that one. In that moment, mark my words, in that moment of eye contact, that one got it. Because my energy was different, it created the space in which that soul could make a new choice. That soul suddenly saw the entirety of its experience and realized that if it allowed the mallet to fall upon the nail, it would be a decision to choose to continue being nothing more than a doormat for other people's perceptions. And in that very instant, that soul decided to follow a path that would lead to sovereign mastery and never again be a pawn of any government or any group or any faction or any one. He dropped the mallet from his hand. This was a Roman soldier. He stood up, walked away, and disappeared. That one has gone on to become a master that is known by literally thousands of beings. He is not in physical form. This one visits many and teaches many. This one indeed incarnated perfect mastery and therefore transcended the world. And it all began as the result of my desire to teach only love. Now we have a very good friendship. So you see, you may not know how powerful your choice for healing is. You may not really see how deeply and profoundly it will affect you as you go on being a creator. And you go on forever. You could never possibly know what fruits will be born from that tree in the life of another. But because all minds are joined, when you choose healing through forgiveness, you literally create the space in which the other can also heal their life. Let no moment then be wasted. See nothing as ordinary. And see not the perceptions taught to you of the world being justified within yourself. Be wholly committed to rooting up and out of your being anything that is unlike the love of Christ. Think not that I am the only one that can live this way and love this way. It is not true. You are here to love as I learned to love. Why? Because you are that love. Everything else is just a smokescreen.
Forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness is a skill and an art that will pay you dividend upon dividend upon dividend upon dividend. It will never cease paying in you. Each moment in which you choose forgiveness, you have literally saved yourself a thousand years of suffering. I mean that about as literally as one can mean it. In short, every act of forgiveness is a miracle that shortens the need for experience in this dimension. When you find yourself in a situation that you believe is too big, rest assured it is because something big has finally come to the surface to be healed within you so that more power can shine forth through you. Why? You have reached the place where you are ready for it. More of Christ can be lived. Ending your day. It is very, very important to let each day be sufficient unto itself. When you end your day, always truly end it. Do not take four hours of ritual. You can do it within one breath. As you take a deep breath, as you rest your head upon the pillow, look upon the whole day, embrace it with your consciousness, and as you let your breath go out, say silently to yourself, I release and forgive this day. It has been perfect and it is done. Let it go. Just let it go. Why? If you do not, you will just bring it with you. Do you know that experience? And for three weeks you are lamenting, Oh my gosh, why did I make that decision three weeks ago? If only I'd made a different decision, this would not have happened and that would not have happened. That is probably true. But the point is now, three weeks later, you are still hitting yourself over the head by bringing the past with you. And you miss the glory of the present. You have all heard that a thousand times because it is the truth. Consciousness is a very subtle and powerful thing. You cannot help but create. Remember, the goal of this pathway is to learn to deliberately create with perfect mastery. Therefore, look upon the things of the day and say, it is very good and it is finished. Each night when you rest your head upon the pillow and you know you are about to go off to sleep, be just like God in your biblical story of creation in which it is written that on the seventh day God rested. God was finished in a sense within the story. Have that same quality at the end of each of your days. If you are carrying some kind of emotional reaction because of something someone said or did, or something you said or did, practice forgiveness before you sleep. If you do not, you will keep experiencing the conflicted energies during your dream states, and communication between you and the other one who has not yet been forgiven, will keep going on until that forgiveness is complete within you. 
It is very important. Time should never be taken frivolously. Play with it, yes, but play with it out of consciousness, out of clarity, out of recognizing that there is no such thing as an idle thought. Each thought creates a world of experience for you, and you are worthy of experiencing heaven. We will have much more to say about forgiveness as we begin to plumb the depths of what is discovered as you practice forgiveness 70 times 7 times. It takes you deeper and deeper into the very mechanics of consciousness itself, the very mechanics of creation. Put forgiveness at the top of your list until you know how perfectly forgiven you are. Be therefore vigilant against denying what is still in need of forgiveness within you. For what you deny, you will project, and each projection is a hurtful act to yourself. Of course, it is also hurtful to the other, but primarily to yourself. There is much that has been said in this lesson that needs to be read again and again so that the mind begins to truly grasp how important and how powerful forgiveness is. You will reach a place where you absolutely delight in going through your day expressing forgiveness, like a wave emitting itself from the ocean of your consciousness, even if nobody is doing anything. Forgiveness itself becomes a delightful energy to live within. Beloved friends, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself well, and you have forgiven Christ. When Christ is forgiven, Christ will arise and make his home in your heart, your mind, and even in the cells of your body. You will know what it means to walk in this world, yet not be of the world. And you will look in the mirror and say, Behold, the Savior appears. It will not be egoic arrogance that says it, but the recognition of what is true always. I am my Father's child, and I am sent into this world to bring light to it. Be you therefore at peace. Practice forgiveness well until it becomes like taking a breath. You will discover power that you did not know could exist and a freedom whose taste is sweet above honey. I forgive you, not because I have judged you, but because I know the blessing that forgiveness brings to me. Forgiveness is something I perfected as a man. Perfect it within yourself as well, and you will know the glory of Christ. Be you therefore at peace, beloved friend. Amen. Well, that was Way of Mastery Lesson 3, free recording. And um, Dr. Tim is still doing well, but we will record again tomorrow. Welcome to the second hour. Today is Thursday, August the 24th, 2023. And their call-in number is 563-999-3581.
and press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. We'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And I'll just say that I, if you go to the website and click on the special shows, and if, uh, if you want to go directly to that, it's whyagain.org slash special dash shows. And the first thing on there is pseudo solutions. And I have uh, edited out just the parts of one, two, three, four, five, five different shows where Michael talked about the different pseudo solutions and codependence, personal uh, power person dynamics. Uh, that was on August the 10th, 17th, 18th, 21st, and 22nd. So those are edited out and they're on our website there under special shows. So you can go out and check that out. And uh, if you haven't um, started using our app yet, you can uh, also on the website, if you, uh, I'm trying to talk and scroll at the exact same time. So if you go to whyagain.org and scroll down just a little bit, there's a thing that says apps and more. If you click on that, it will explain the app. There's also, if you click on start here, there are two videos, one of them, uh, is uh, instructions of how to navigate the website and where you can find different things. The other one is how to navigate the forgiveness app. And so download that. It's free. Whether you have an iPhone or an Android, go to your app store and type in Heartland, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, Aramaic, A-R-A-M-A-I-C. And by that time, it will pop up with a glowing red heart, and it says Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. Download it, and there are several things on the app that um, will come in handy for you, and it's really easy. A lot of people have been given feedback after they've started using it. Two different worksheets. You have the forgiveness uh, seven-step, and then the, um, I'm opening it again as I talk. So we have the reality wake-up sheet abbreviated version, the current seven-step version, the drag-on, cling-on game, there's a section for the commitments. You can click, and that'll bring those up for you. The commitments to yourself, to others, the child's commitments. There's a button for events. If we have anything going on, you'll be able to pick it up there. There is a button that says more, and that will take you to all kinds of links uh, where you can access, you know, all kinds of things. And then there's any page you're on, you can send us a question. And you click on that, and you just ask the question. And it sends me an email and lets me know what your question is. We will address it on the next radio show. I'll send you back an email letting you know the date and the time that we addressed your question. I'll also send you an email with an abbreviated answer. So we're here to support you, here to help you. That's what this radio show is about. And so it's your show. And so we want you to direct us in any direction that you want to go, something that you have a question about, uh, something that you would like to know more about, or even something that you disagree with. We want to hear your comments. And so call us on this number. Let us know if you're listening to us on another radio station. Our call-in number again is 563-999-3581. And you press one and a little hand pops up and I know that you want to talk to us, that you're not just out there listening. And we'll click on it, call you by your area code and let you know that you're on the air. And we'd love to hear from you. 
if you run into anything on the website, I've been making several editions lately. And so if you run into anything that's not working or you're having trouble finding, please let me know about it. There's a couple of the pages that I've abbreviated the title of the page so that you can get to it easier. But then I've also been doing a redirect so that if you typed in the old URL address, it will redirect you immediately to the new one. So nothing will be lost there. And we would like you to participate. So um, it was while we're waiting on Michael to dial in, I had a fun morning. We've been having our class, our high school graduating class, has been getting together. They've been doing it for about a year, but while Dad was still here, and I was visiting him. I did not go out to the um, meetings because I didn't want to, you know, possibly catch something and take it back to Dad. But since he's been gone the last couple months, I have joined them once a month. We meet for breakfast and we start talking about what we're going to do for our 50th high school reunion next year. And, and it's just a lot of fun to get back with people I graduated with. Some of them I recognize immediately, and some of them I have no clue who they are until they tell me. And a couple of our teachers have been showing up, and so that's awesome to reconnect to them. And so it's uh, kind of a new stage of, of socializing with people again. But then we have had news that the next COVID strain is really hitting this area hard. So hold everybody in the space and for safety and health and, and welcome everyone to the show. And at this time, I am going to welcome Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. Honored that you're here, that we can connect and continue this conversation. It's been going on for 12 years as we look at tools for really, truly living a human life. Of course, many would say, well, what do you mean by that? Isn't everybody that's human living a human life? Well, not exactly. If you think that having a human form is all it takes to live a human life, then my offering is there's a big error there. A human form without the active presence of love is not a human life. It's just a human form. It's just the, you know, the, uh, the external skeleton structure. What we're looking to do is to work toward awakening to the truth of who we are as human beings for us that state of being that includes the continuous ongoing active presence of love expressing through that human form. You know, it's like I've got a radio, no signals coming in, it's in, a, it's in what they call a Faraday cage. A Faraday cage blocks all signals from coming in. So I have a radio in a Faraday cage so I can't listen to a radio station. Do I really have a radio? Well, I have a radio. You know, it's plugged in. There's electricity flowing through it, so it must be a radio. But if I'm not getting any radio signal, do I really have a radio? And 
we're looking to assist people in developing the brain cells to recognize that it is the expression of active present love that really qualifies us as human beings. And that means that there is a significant piece of work to be done to rid ourselves of that which is unlike love, to rid ourselves of hostility, fear, rage, guilt, grief, drama, and trauma, and really be restored to a true human life. So that's what we're here to achieve. That's what we're here to accomplish. And as we wake up to the truth of who we are and bring that expression through this form, then we get to enter into a whole new realm that is virtually unrecognized in the world today. So in essence, that's what we're here to do. And recognizing the truth of who we are is the first step. And to continuously upgrade the, so to speak, software in our body-mind units, the software that creates the expression of the human life, is the goal in particular well, actually, it's a goal of every tool that we've got. So as we deepen our understanding of who we are as human beings, we bring into expression the full possibility. You know, we've had a few examples of it down through the ages. And those ones who created that expression are looked at as gods. And yet, if you listen to them, they said things like, the things I do, you too can do. They're not outside of the realm of human life. And so to be able to look square in the eye everything in us that is unlike our true human nature, to embrace it in the active presence of love so as to transmute it. And, you know, there's, there's kind of a, there's several tests along the way. If you can't extend love to your worst enemy, then you don't have a human life in the presence of that enemy. If you want to truly experience a peaceful world, you've got to face and heal your own frustrated, angry, annoyed, afraid, lonely, responding out of wounds, blaming others, blaming self. You've got to face everything in you that makes it impossible for you to hold to the mind of love. And that's the work required for healing. So each time the mind serves up something in that category of hostility or fear, and we don't have to get into the full-blown 
expression of that hostility or fear to recognize it and move through it. I was working with someone the other day, and they made an offhanded comment was based in hostility. There was no you know, perceivable hostility in their voice or their expression, but the words were based in hostility. And I fed back, well, notice the words that you're using. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. I'm not hostile. And then we went exploring and what this person found out, and it really, you know, Shakespeare says, my words fly up, my thoughts remain below. In other words, Oftentimes, when I'm functioning out of words I'm not paying attention to, I'm functioning unconsciously. My thoughts remain below. And so, as we explored, it went into this, you know, just a few words that were said based in hostility. And this person just, you know, it, it just opened up a whole bag of old snarky gravel. <laughs> that was in her history. And as she was able to, it was, it, it was like a new insight. Someone who's been doing the work for a while now, and it was like a new insight for her to go, oh, so if I watch when my words are based in that, I, I don't have to go all the way into it. I don't have to fall into it. If I hold unresolved pain or trauma within me, of course, it's easy when we live in denial to put those under, underlying energies of trauma into my brain's internally constructed perceptual image of others and pretend they're the cause of the way my mind's trauma or pain-based interpretation of events makes an appearance in my mind as the truth. And when we do that, it leads directly away from understanding what's really going on and taking advantage of the moment where you know, the simplest expression, if I observe it in my words, can save me from having to, you know, rage at somebody at some future time. With that energy, it saves me from calling somebody in to play that energy out with me and find myself going nuts over it. So the, my, my offering here is that the, the sooner that you pay attention and the sooner that you take responsibility for it and recognize the consequences of your words, the easier it will be, the less traumatic it will be to handle every trauma in your life. And ultimately, we are required to handle every trauma in our bloodline. That's kind of the bottom line of this work. So that, in essence, is where we want to head. Many, you know, if not all of our wounds and our pain are rooted in genetically inherited traumas. Multi-generational assaults reinforced through unconscious actions generation after generation, stored, repeated, stored, repeated, stored, repeated, ad nauseum. You know, you've, you've heard somebody say, or perhaps you've been the person that said to, let's say, the mother of a young boy who, uh, who's... 12 years of age and, you know, just weeks after his, he, he was conceived, his father was killed in an accident, let's say. And you watch this boy at 12 and you're like, wow, he holds his mouth just like his father did. Gee, he, he stands, that boss, that's exactly the way his dad used to turn his head. 
wow, those voice inflections, those voice tones are precisely what I remember from that person. And these things are based in all too often dissociated trauma that when activated obscures the subtle but permanently available experience of ourselves as love. To the awareness of ourselves as love are never imposed from the outside. There are, there are definitely lots of stimuli from the outside, but the stimuli I would offer show up because on an energetic level we're continuously calling for those situations because it's an unconscious urge to heal. All healing in the simple bottom line is a return to love, and it's strictly an inside job. Our mind's perceptual constructs are autobiographical. The, the constructs, the perceptions our minds show us are first and foremost a reflection of what's going on inside of us. And until generational traumas are removed, we're easily tricked into believing the false pictures, the perceptions generated by our minds. And as long as we believe that something outside of us is the cause, rather than just the trigger of what's moving within, we literally inhabit a world of lies because perception is evidential in nature. And there's some powerful Harvard research that shows that in a time frame where literally 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity are going on in the brain, the max amount of data that comes to conscious awareness is nine bits. Tiny, tiny fragment. And when I say to my mind, when I live in denial, when I speak words of how you're the problem in my life, you made me mad, in essence, I'm saying to my mind, keep this hidden from me. Keep the truth of this out of, the, out of sight. Now build me a construct, a picture. Take this data that's painful in me that I don't want to own, I don't ever want to know is mine, and put it in my brain's image of someone else. Remember that feelings come not from seeing something, not from hearing something, not from experiencing something, but from internally generated energies that are a, re a reflection, especially if those emotions are of a negative nature, they're a reflection of thought disorders. And all thought disorders are self-imposed and automatically lead to repeating experiences because we're creators. And we create with the mind energy that we hold. So blamers would do really well to understand that denial, the act of thinking or speaking, as though something outside of oneself is the cause of what's moving on the inside. And when we do that, there's an instant dissociation, the hiding of the truth of what's causing the trauma, the pain, what have you. And that hiding blocks awareness of one's own internal dynamics, which results in this unnatural condition called an unconscious mind. Carl Jung really laid it out very simply, laid out the source of this unconsciousness and the seemingly unavoidable repeating of painful experiences when he explains the trauma recurs until resolved by the action of changing old familial habits of mind. 
He says, quote, whatever is rejected from self appears, I'm going to add in there an addendum, appears through blame in the world, again, the world of perception as an event. So whatever energetic patterns are resonating in me that I'm not willing to embrace, hold in the presence of love, are going to literally turn into pictures. This is one of the faculties of the human mind. It takes thoughts and turns them into pictures. And if my thought is, you're the one who's responsible for my anger, then I'll take that anger and I'll make a picture of you out of it and you'll show up in my mind with my problem attached and I'll swear it must be your problem because I can see that it's you. So, Carl Jung, whatever is rejected from the self appears in the world as an event. We meet ourselves time and again in thousands of disguises on the path of life. Until the unconscious becomes conscious, it will direct our lives and call us fate. And then he offers, everything that appears to irritate us about others can lead to understanding oneself. Now, you'll notice we live in a culture that has, you know, like in, in true living color and Dolby sound, people out there who are pretending to be all-powerful, and yet every time the word comes out of their mouth, they're playing the victimhood game. Oh, look what they're doing to me. We need to put an end to the multi-generational fantasy of victimhood that many mistakenly swear are true. Again, you know, that tongue-in-cheek line I love to repeat, if you've been through a particular painful reality 87 different times with 42 different people, notice you're the only one that was there every time. So the echo of denial sounds like, you make me so fill in the blank, mad, sad, afraid. You hurt me. Every time you've been mad, sad, afraid, or hurt, you've been there. Denial. The, the very things that people don't want to look at or deal with are the exact things that are most urgent to be looked at and dealt with. And you know, rest assured, life will give you every opportunity that you need. For you are unconsciously directing the show. Whatever is not resolved, whatever is of a dis-ease nature in tissue structure, yes, and I mean literally causing what we call physical diseases, are energy patterns that will play out over and over and over and through resonance will cause attraction. When I'm in dissociation, piss of life is to kick me right square in the limitation. So, of course, the question becomes, how do I make the unconscious conscious? Well, tools for reliably opening what in the ancient teachings was called the quote-unquote veil of the temple, temple being the body. You know, when they spoke of the veil of the temple must be rent in twain, they were not talking about a purple curtain in the church. They were talking about the barrier between the subconscious and the unconscious mind under which we hide our pain. To open that is to be empowered to remove assault energy. And we were told that 2,000 years ago. Of course, as we've said over and over, the, the, the ancient tool of forgiveness is the process that 
if you use it in a consistent, persistent way, will reliably uncover and remove whatever you've hidden through denial within yourself or whatever has been hidden in your family system for who knows how long. If you recognize yourself having some of the same conversations as you heard dad or mom have and said, boy, I'm never going to be like that. And notice that we live in a fake Greek substitute for forgiveness. We've been taught to pardon. We've been taught to, to let other people off the hook for the pained output of our own minds. With that errant directive, the simple, effective healing technology of actual forgiveness was lost to humanity. And in that Greek misinterpretation, we're convinced that we need to be forgiven. Like there's some power in the sky that if only they'll forgive us. And people have bumper stickers. I've been forgiven. No, you haven't. You never will be. I promise you. I guarantee you will never be forgiven for anything. Yes, there'll be people who say, I let you off the hook. And there'll be people who'll say, God even let you off the hook. And being let off the hook is all about pardoning. It's not going to remove that which directs the trauma to come into your life over and over and over again. So that slippery twist of turning forgiveness into pardoning has left millions letting others off the hook for what is generated by their own minds. Rather than taking responsibility, removing from their minds the projected and hidden generational content that they refuse to look at and deal with. So letting somebody outside of you, I mean, it can be a really nice thing to do. Somebody does something that's really untoward and, you know, I, I'm going to be big about it and I'm going to pardon them. That's nice. And it can be very helpful in life. However, if you call that forgiveness, you won't do your actual forgiveness work. So letting someone else off the hook will never rid us of the experience of internally generated hurt, upset, or pain. Outer directed acts do not bring correction to internally generated dynamics. Engaging in actual forgiveness creates a visceral opening that facilitates the flow of light and love into every instant, every experience of our lives, and into our physiology. It doesn't matter what it is. Lonely, afraid, sad, rageful, hateful. Created for love to flow into that when you create a clean and open space within your mind for the washing of your mind, for the cleansing of your mind, for the transmutation, the removal of the energy of pain. And with the technology that yesterday delivered to the planet 2,000 years ago, Mega generational pain, depending on your willingness and, and practice at abu embracing it, can shift and be ended in a, a fraction of a second. So lived pain or turmoil is always an invitation and denial and to learn to apply forgiveness. Perception, the world we think we see with our eyes is an hologram generated out of the past content projected by the mind. We don't see anything with our eyes. We see with our brains. And there is no life in the holograms of the mind. Look up a video 
on YouTube by a gentleman named Anil, A-N-I-L, Seth, S-E-T-H. He's a neuroscientist. He says this, perception is a mental construct generated by the mind-body-nervous system. The whole world we think we see is an hallucination unique to each person. When we agree on our shared hallucinations, we call it reality. Well, we're going to redefine that. We're going to offer that actuality is what goes on in the world, actually what happens. And, you know, if you've ever sat in a courtroom and listened to six different people testify about an accident, you wonder if any the same accident. Each person at the accident, if they live in the world of perception, and it's not required to do that, if they live in the world of perception, their mind served up a different reality. It's the details change. Yeah, they may agree on some of the basic stuff, and even the basic stuff. You know, the person who watches the accident and the, the, uh, the guy runs the red light, if he has a prejudice against women drivers, and the accident was between this guy who ran the light and a woman, he'll swear that he saw the woman run the light. He will literally experience that as a picture in his mind as a construct of his mind. And there's a way that you can tell that your mind is in an hallucination. There's some form of hostility or fear. You can go to our website, and Jeannie has a, uh, a copy of a book written by the CIA, Study of Intelligence, it's called. I have no idea how much money, how many thousands of hours they spent, but basically what the CIA was doing was looking to understand how to best sharpen their agents' minds so they could get accurate data. And here, quote, is what the CIA says. Perception is demonstrably an active rather than passive process. It constructs rather than records reality. People continuously construct their own version of reality. Now, that's not exactly the belief of the world. Virtually everybody thinks, well, I've got these, these peepholes on the world, and I see what's going on out there. No, you don't. You have never seen anything out there. You will never see anything with your eyes. Your brain will generate pictures based on the content resonate, resonated pardon me, by what your eyes bring in in the way of energy. So reality or perception, the output of the mind is either high quality, an accurate picture, or poor quality, deceptive projection. You know, think of it as a scale of 1 to 10. If you've got a level 1 perceptual acuity, your mind works on a level 1 out of 10, then people say, you're insane. You should be in an insane asylum. If you're living with a perceptual system that runs at a 10, they say, you're a genius. Perception can be corrected so that it accurately reflects what the actuality is delivering. But it still can't give you the experience of the actuality. That takes a different set of faculties. So when using corrupt data, the mind massages its unconscious content into pictures that appear to be of external things. 
when I tell you that you're the cause of what's happening inside of me, I become the equivalent of a full-fledged card-carrying member of the universal one-world religion of blame. And virtually everybody in the world is a member of that religion. We watched a particular event on television last night, and I won't get political, so I won't mention what the event was, but it was interesting, all these high-powered people, and virtually 80% of the conversation of every one of them was blame. It was all about why whatever it is they didn't like was somebody else's fault. So all perception, the world made up by us, including sensations in the so-called body, are autobiographical. So projection is not the act of pretending something inside of me is outside of me. That's externalization. It's the act of building realities out of resonated internal content and then pretending that that hologram produced by the mind, the hologram called perception, that image is actually out there. Forgiveness has a single purpose, and that's to show you how, when your reality is less than a 10, to collapse it <laughs> and to heal the underlying dynamics of it and give you back a mind that works at a 10. That's ultimately what it's all about. And so that's kind of the story of this work in a nutshell. And Ms. Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? Uh, no, we don't. I see uh, Julia in the chat room. I don't know whether we finished our conversation yesterday. Um, she can either type in the chat room or call in. Her number's not on the switchboard, so I can't turn okay. her mic on yet. Well, if you have a question, Julia, you could just pop in a a yes in the chat room and call or if you're out there in listener land our call in number if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you is 563-999-3581 if you call that number you'll be listening to the show directly and then if you push one that will raise a hand and there'll be the opportunity to ask your question uh, just to remember that outer direct exacts do not bring correction to internally generated dynamics. To me, that's one of the most important key thoughts in this whole conversation. An inwardly generated experience must be dealt by an inward act. And you'll notice that right from conception, right from, probably I shouldn't say conception, from birth, you'll notice that what virtually everybody's doing with the child is focusing them outside of themselves. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. Oh, smile at me. Look at my face, nose, ear, hair, hair. Why does everybody see faces when they look at people? Well, the hypnosis started right out of the chute. <laughs> you were born instantly. Somebody said to you, nose, eye, <laughs> hair, chin. Face, body, hands, feet, legs. And so pretty much everybody generates those images. 
of the fact of physicality. If we listen to Einstein, Einstein says, on such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy, energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. Einstein tells us there's no such thing. So remember that lived pain or turmoil is always an invitation to end denial and learn to apply forgiveness. So, Ms. Jeannie, do we have anybody out there wanting to have a conversation? We've got 25 minutes left or so. It would be nice to have a conversation. I'm kind of complete with what I planned for today. I figured that would arouse some questions, thoughts, ideas. Do you have anything to share? Um, The only thing was... uh, Something I shared with you, I don't know if it was last night or this morning, that sometimes when talking to Aria, it's like like the other day, uh, I was just sitting in front of her and I told her I cherished her and that she was important to me. And she was just, it was like she was looking through me. I mean, she could, or looking into me. I think she was just taking in what I was saying and she was just present. And it was so special just to be in that moment with her with her eyes locked and just looking at each other. And and uh, she's uh, just such a, such a wonderful teacher. And she has really tapped into saying, cancel that thought if she catches us saying something. <laughs> and, you know, her, you've probably heard us say it before. Her mom and dad said, oh, she says it a hundred times. So she, she'll get it across to them eventually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, to me, there are times when we have something important of the higher order to offer to her. And like you were saying, as you were sharing that with her the other day about how important she was to you, I love how when we've got something like that to stay, it's like she goes into an altered state. She turns away from everything that she's doing physically. She's playing with toys or whatever. And she turns, and it's like, it's almost like, you know, you've seen movies where there's an airplane chasing another airplane, and the airplane in the back locks on its radar. And there's a state where this little one goes at five, where she just energetically drops everything she's focused on, turns to me or to Jeannie, and just locks in on it. And just, you can tell she's just downloading and receiving it on a level greater than just the words that are being said. And it's pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. We're pretty blessed. So, what's the biggest blessing in your world? Push one. Share it with us. We've got 20 minutes. We'd love to hear your voice. And if no one has a conversation, I'm complete with everything I have to say for today. I would much rather continue the conversation, but if nobody has a thought for us, 
And then I'm going to say much appreciation for joining us. Create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.